This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. It's your girl, Natty Boss. I am so incredibly excited to bring you today's guest. We have Miss Christina Nikolai, who's a breathwork guide and life coach. She is a fellow Jujutera Blue Belt based out of Detroit, Michigan. And she focuses a lot on generational and mind-body healing through breath. She is a breathwork coach. And of course, I'm ecstatic to bring her on here. Somebody else preaching the good news about breath other than myself. We are always welcome to have different perspectives on here. So she can really share her experience and not only her life experience, but also how she applies breathwork with who she works with, as well as in jujitsu, right? Bringing it full circle so that you guys can see the power our breath really holds and how it can support us, not just in our performance, but we're going to be speaking a lot to the healing aspect of it and the deeper aspects of healing that the breath offers us and how that will ultimately improve your health, improve your performance and improve your life. She's also the podcast host of Talk Healing to Me. So Mm -hmm. if you want to check out more podcasts, episodes, you can go check her out. Obviously it'll be in the show notes, but we have Christina on today. So I'm so excited that you are here. Lovely. And obviously I'd love to start off by just sharing a little bit more about your background. What got you into jujitsu and breath work and feel free to go whatever direction you want to go with that. Cause I'm not sure if they're intertwined or if they came one after the other. So whatever your journey is, it's open for you. All right. Thank you so much. First of all, for bringing me on your podcast lately, I've been doing more jujitsu stuff and I love it. I love talking about jujitsu. So breath came first. So let's, let's go into that. Um, I guess I'll talk a little bit of my, about my story and why I'm even here right now talking to you in the first place. So basically my whole journey with healing started because of my own experience with anxiety and depression. So about like four or five years ago, I don't want to say it was random. I was in a relationship and I think anyone listening could understand that relationships bring up a lot of stuff, especially if it was an unhealthy relationship. So it was an unhealthy relationship and it brought up a lot of inner child wounds Mm -hmm. that I didn't even know were there. It just brought up a lot of stuff. So from there, I've just always been the type of person who was like, I am going to figure this out. So 
when I started to feel this anxiety on a daily basis and I've started to feel depressed and I was crying on a daily basis, I was having anxiety attacks and my life was just like at rock bottom. I was losing weight. I wasn't eating. It was just not a pretty picture. And I was like, I can't live like this. Like, this is not how I'm meant to live. And you have voices in your head. Like one will be saying, this is going to be my life forever. And then the other voice that was a little bit lower, not as loud as the other one was like, no, this is not how your life is meant to be lived. So I listened to that voice. (laughs) So I started Googling. I honor you for doing because thank you. We all have that intuitive nudge and we don't necessarily follow it. So Mm -hmm. I'm so, so happy that you You really listened to it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So I was just researching, like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, like, this is what I'm going through. What is, what is happening to me? So anxiety came up and I was like, what me? I have anxiety. Like I didn't know at the time people weren't posting about anxiety and depression and all this stuff like they are now as much five years ago. So I was just like checking on YouTube, listening to podcasts about these types of experiences. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And there's a possibility to heal. There's a possibility to get past this. Mm -hmm. So I just was in my like nine to five back then. And I was listening to podcasts every day of like listening to all these people who had overcome what I was dealing with. So I was seeing these examples like, okay, that was like the first thing that helped me was like, okay, it's possible. So I kept listening to these podcasts, started to go to therapy, like try these different healing modalities. And like, I was like getting to this place where I was like, okay, this is starting to work. Like I'm kind of changing the way I'm thinking. I'm not feeling as anxious. So I started to eat better, just like overall started treating myself better and then ended that relationship. And I felt my self-worth kind of rising because I was taking care of myself. Yeah. And when I started to see that, I was like, I feel like this is happening for some kind of reason. Like there's something I can do with this suffering that could help other people. Mm. So that fueled me. I was like, okay, um, I want to find my thing. (laughs) Like, what's my thing? How am I going to help people? So I started with health coaching and I was like, this is great. Like the food stuff is great. And there's something that is missing. Like there's something I'm, I'm not really clicking with. And then one day I saw, I kept seeing breath work everywhere. I was like, okay, what's the deal with this breath work? Like, I know that there's different things like, Um, box breathing and stuff like that, four, seven, eight breath, which were helpful for me. But there was this style breath work that was going a little bit deeper. So I was like, okay, I saw breath work for trauma. This is when I was living in Brooklyn, breath work to release trauma. I was like, what is this? I have to go see what this is. So I go to this place called Heal House in Brooklyn. It was a really cute place. And there's mats set up everyone's you know next to each other so we're all just sitting next to these strangers and there's blankets and then we have our journals she has this journal in the beginning I don't remember what it was that we were journaling and then she's like okay I'm gonna play this really loud music and you're gonna breathe in this specific way and showed us the style breath work and some emotions might come up um some like old memories might come up she was just explaining what you might experience and I was like okay let's do this. So we all lay down 
And she said she was going to do Reiki as well. So we all lay down and we start breathing. I'm like, okay, cool. We're breathing. We're breathing. The music is really loud. And it's like really, you know how music can just get into your like cells. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so she's playing this great music and, and I start to hear people crying, like sobbing. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I start to feel myself wanting to cry, but this, I was still in the beginning of my journey. So I wasn't letting myself. Yeah. So I was like, no, no, you don't need to cry. You don't need to cry. And then I I tried so bad to hold it back. I couldn't. So the tears started flowing. I just let myself cry, kept breathing, kept breathing. And then I had this vision of myself leading one of these breathwork sessions with like my family, the women in my family. So that's where the generational healing comes in. And I was like, this is it. This is my thing. I know having that vision just felt so clear. Yeah. So she like comes and puts her hand on my head and you could just feel her healing energy. And I just like let go and cried. And so beautiful. It's like, you don't know what you might be carrying because it's not on the surface. It's not in your brain telling you like, you need to cry. You need to let this thing out that you've been holding inside for the past 10, 20 years, you know, but your body knows. So in those moments when it's kind of, you kind of feel safe to do so, which is why it's really important to have a practitioner that makes you feel safe. 100%. So after that experience, I was like, I want to do this, but I didn't do anything about it until months and months later, the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, I think this happened was like this realization that you don't want to do what you've been doing and you just dive into what you've always wanted to do. So I finally was like, this is the time. (laughs) So I first started reading books all about breath. And then I held this like group um, breath work, like free, a free group breath work thing. I was like, Hey, I'm reading this book on breathing. And there's like a whole 21 day challenge. Does anyone want to do it with me? So I did it. And I just made videos for them every day. And I was like, this is the breath that I read in the book. So let's do it together. And it turned out beautifully. And everyone's responses were like, oh my God, this is amazing. I didn't know this were, there were this many breathwork techniques. I didn't know that, you know, I could feel like this. So after that, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to um, train for this. So I did a training and went through a training and then just kept expanding my knowledge in all different areas about the breath, the biomechanical the way that it affects you mentally, the way that it affects you emotionally, um, trauma, all of it. And started working with my friends and family and then expanded and started working with my coaching clients and they were loving it. People were messaging me like, I can't believe this is like, I can't believe I'm feeling this. Like, I can't believe I haven't cried in this long or I've been numb for this long. And that was the first time I allowed myself to cry. Or that was the first time I ever said, I love you to myself. And I actually felt it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's crazy. It's that's really like true self-love. Yeah. That's and like I- self-love deeper than just the affirmations, you know, that are Absolutely. posted about it's this felt sense. 
that mm-hmm. I feel like we've been disconnected from that like when we talk about self-love it's that aspect of it it's really being able to feel yourself yeah feel yourself fully which is going to be the cornerstone to really developing and strengthening your love of self yeah yeah and it, I think when we're so stuck in our heads which a lot of us are you know we're constantly distracted by social media by the work that we're doing by life that we disconnect from that part of ourselves that is that true that truth within us so i think the biggest benefit that i've received from breath work well a couple is that finding that ability to connect with myself on that level that I'm not able to with just meditation or affirmations or journaling breath yeah. to, to a, a deeper level for me and for a lot of clients that I've witnessed. And then the other thing is the first session when I couldn't let myself cry, it made me realize what my relationship with my emotions was at that time mm-hmm. that I wasn't, I wasn't able to just let myself cry. I was more, ju- you know, self-judgmental about it or, yeah being raised not to cry, being told don't cry, (laughs) you know, when you're growing up being told don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. It's like perceived as a weakness. Yeah. So I stuffed it all down and then breath work gradually over time, as I kept doing it, the more I started to surrender, the more I started to let myself feel those emotions, even off, not off the mat, but like not not in a breathwork session, I brought it into my actual life and into jujitsu now, which I'll explain later when we get into jujitsu. But, um, and it's just like, it takes a weight off of you to -hmm. be able to allow yourself to let a natural process happen without stopping it, without, you know, stuffing it down. So yeah, that's- That's so beautiful. And that's so true. It's taking that weight off because we're just allowing those emotions, which are just energy in our body to release and metabolize and alchemize instead of being stuck in our system, causing that weight, causing that heaviness. And then from that place where I'm curious on your take on it, but what I believe is that is what is a lot of the root to some of the depressive symptoms that people experience. A lot of the anxiety they experience it's simply just emotions and emotions exist full spectrum of emotions from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And it's really just changing our relationship to them and Mm -hmm. understanding what might it be telling me also, what's the message underneath the emotion, you know? So with the depression and the anxiety that's ever prevalent in, I mean, from, and nowadays it's literally teenagers all the way till to, you know, people in their fifties, sixties, lifelong, right? People are developing it more and more and more. And I, I really believe it doesn't have to be the norm and it really gets to be as easy. Maybe I'll say simple, not easy. Mm-hmm. Of just allowing yourself to just feel and be in your body yeah. and letting these processes happen versus trying to control them the way the mind likes yeah. to control. Yeah. I think also figuring out that like what what is the reason that you stuff your emotions down? What are you afraid of feeling? Where are these emotions like what, rooted in? I mean, you don't always have to go deep into analyzing, but I found it personally helpful to understand like 
like for instance, that unhealthy relationship that I was in, understanding that the reason those all those emotions and anxiety and the depression came out was because it all the things that happened in my childhood or whatever had been stuffed down for so long something in the present had to kind of trigger them to bring them up to the surface to be healed and dealt with 100 percent. yeah and And I don't know if they have the same language in the way that you were taught um but we in the mentors I work with we call that reenactment reenactment is almost like we reenact these things from our past from our childhood in our present situation and it has nothing to do with what actually happened in the present moment and everything to do with a part of us that's basically locked in time Mm -hmm. and it's showing up because there's an activation that happens in our felt sense in our body and it's just being projected into whoever and whatever is in right in front of you And if we allow ourselves to just constantly react from that place, well, we're constantly reenacting parts of our past that are not healed. And we're actually not ever living consciously and creating our reality because we're actually just reliving our past day in and day out. Yeah. Within our bodies, like literally, and even our minds, like, so a lot of it too is even breath work that you use throughout the day, just like little ways of like, oh, reminders to just breathe, take a slow breath in and be present for a second. When you're able to do that, then you can bring that part of your brain like back online when it comes offline because of a trigger or something or an activation, something that activated you from the past that's still trapped in you somewhere. When you're able to use your breath to bring yourself back into the present, that part of your brain, the logical analytical part of your brain comes back online and then you can kind of decide okay I'm not going to respond the way that I've always responded maybe this time I could choose differently and it's not always going to work sometimes it takes over you're human and I think that's something important for people to remember you're human and if you're on this healing journey it's like have compassion for yourself because sometimes you are going to fall back into old patterns it just it happens 100%. And one of the things that's really helped me along my journey with this is we always fault ourselves for forgetting. Mm. We always fault ourselves for forgetting. Oh man, breath work. I forgot I had that tool and I I used it when I was in this trigger. Right. But just as much as we forget, we can also remember. So it's like going back and forth into this like vacillation of like, give yourself grace for the times you forget and realize that every time you forget something, you can always remember. Mm-hmm. So it's really just a matter of, it's the part of the grace process when it comes to being human, Yeah. because we so often like we'll put ourselves into this ball of turmoil when we forget something, right. Mm-hmm. When we're like, Oh, I should have acted this way, or I know better or this or that because we're human, we're literally always going to be in cycle of remembering and forgetting. So take yeah. the pressure off, take the pressure off that again, you have to be perfect in this healing journey. It's going to be anything but perfect, but just every time you forget, remember that you can remember and then choose again in that moment Mm -hmm. and just take the pressure and a weight off that you have to have it all figured out and be right on cue all of the time. You know, in my experience, what I've learned is you're going to create ruptures in relationships and things like just through arguments or this and that when we're reacting. Right. 
but the more present we are, we will be aware to, first of all, they'll become few and far between because the more present and aware you are, you'll be able to manage that. But then secondly, you get the focus on the repair and not just the rupture. We often mm-hmm. fall into like, oh, I did this in this relationship or here, and that's the, the rupture that happened. But remember that you can always focus on the repair mm-hmm. and the breath. Every time that you choose again, you're focusing on the repair. The repair is what heals because yeah. we can't change ruptures that have already happened, mm-hmm. but we can focus on the, the repairs of that rupture to bring us more into wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I've also learned in my journey is to not use the breath every time to like, cause sometimes we can get into the habit of using the breath as a distraction from an emotion. Mm. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but like if you're so good to bring this up, what? So good to bring this up. Yeah. So like, bypassing. yes, exactly. We don't want to bypass the emotion or the, and I'm not saying like, if you're at work and you're talking to your boss and you feel like you're going to have like a panic attack or something like that, that you should just let it full blown happen in front of them if you don't want to. But like, if you like could walk away, go to the bathroom or something, this is my personal experience. When I had like an anxiety attack, when I was at work, I went, I didn't stuff it down. I went to the bathroom, literally let myself cry, just let myself cry. So it's really important for us to let ourselves feel. But this is also depends on how safe you feel to feel these emotions. Yes. So like taking these things into account, like do you have someone safe there that could support you while you feel this emotion? Do you feel safe enough to allow this emotion to come up? But realizing or recognizing when you're using the breath or journaling or something to avoid feeling because yeah. sometimes it's not about doing but just feeling and being with it in the most moment. times <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah agreed most times yeah that's really really amazing point that you brought up and just for those listening uh, something I want to offer you because like Christina said it is so imperative that we feel that we feel but what always comes before that is safety In my opinion, safety Mm -hmm. is the crux of everything. The Mm -hmm. reason why we have all the suffering in the world and within ourselves is because we don't feel safe. So Mm -hmm. when those things happen in public and you just don't, maybe you're not, you don't feel safe. If you don't have the support system, if you don't feel that you're in an environment to feel safe, safety is the number one priority. There's a couple of things, as Christina said, if you can seclude yourself in the bathroom, let yourself cry a little bit, maybe just feel better, let that, let yourself feel in that moment. If you're able to create that space and you feel safe enough in your system to allow that to happen, then 100% go for it. The mm-hmm. other aspect, which requires a little bit more self-loving discipline mm-hmm. that I teach my, my, my clients, my students is really making a commitment and a vow to yourself that you will come back to it. So yeah. if in that moment you don't feel important. safe and you're like, there's no way in this moment I could feel safe to do this. The hard part is make sure you come back to it. So mm-hmm. set that sacred time aside and say, okay, tonight I'm going to give myself 10 minutes and I'm going to actually go back into that feeling and let myself feel it there where I'm safe. Mm-hmm. So that's like the one thing that I would add that I personally share with my people because I totally understand. And you don't want to express yourself when you don't feel safe because that's when all of our mechanisms and our protectors start to come back online. 
and it can really make us kind of spiral in a, in a downward way. So mm -hmm. just like make that value yourself that you will come back to it and literally schedule it in like you would a work meeting. Like yeah, this is yeah. a commitment that you're making to yourself, just like your commitment that you're going to the doctor commitment. You're going to jujitsu commit this time to yourself. I promise you, you will never, ever regret it. This mm -hmm. is the beginning stages of you really learning what it means to show up for yourself. And that is healing in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I've done this. I've done it. And like, I still do it where I'm like, okay. Um, there have been times where I've been, I've had a moment where I was like on my way to yoga and I had something show up that made me want to cry and just like break down in that moment. I got to yoga, did my yoga session. I wasn't going to cry in yoga and like whatever. So I left yoga, got home and just cried and just let myself cry, let it out. And it was like coming out like a waterfall and I just let it. And then I personally have a safe relationship with my boyfriend and he came in and he supported me and yeah. just let me be. And that's why I mentioned like having a safe relationship, having someone there to support you is also very helpful. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with, with scheduling time for that as well. It's like, that's why breathwork too has helped because it made me not scared of my emotions anymore. Yeah you know, yeah. and I think that's important part of scheduling time for that. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. So I'd love for you, because this is something you're passionate about generational trauma, kind of speak to how would you define generational trauma and what are some of the ways it shows up in our lives as adults that we might not be aware of? Okay. Um, oh man. We'll need to get back to your jujitsu journey too. So we can weave oh, that yeah. as well. So generational. Ooh, okay. So for me personally, why it's so strong for me is because I grew up in a, um, old school Albanian family. So my parents are immigrants, so they brought a lot of their old traditions to America. When they moved here, had me, and now I'm in between two worlds at home. I'm in this I'll be in an immigrant family and then I go to school or like outside world and I'm in American culture yeah. and the cultures are so wildly different. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to find a simple way to like a simplified way to say this, um, scientifically I'll say that through epigenetics, this is the way that your, your genes express themselves. So like for instance, there was a woman named Rachel Yehuda. I don't know how to say her last name. She did a study on how people from whose grandparents were in the Holocaust or parents, how they had picked up these genetics from their parents and their grandparents that still are expressed as if they're still in the trauma or the stress that their parents or their grandparents experience. Yes. So essentially, if your parents had experienced some really, really stressful experiences, situations, war or whatever, oftentimes we have that in ourselves, like in our body. And, and the, so even when we're born, we can still have that as part of us. 100%. And so that's one way. Um, and then another way is how we were raised. 
if our parents didn't do the healing work, which a lot of our parents' generation didn't, the way that they treat each other and you can affect the way that you treat others and treat yourself. Yes. So if you're witnessing, this is an example I always use is like, it's not so much what they say to you. Yes. What they say to you is very powerful. It's even more so what you witness. Yeah. Especially repeatedly. So for instance, if you're, yes. So if your mom, for instance, just an example, your mom says to you, you are so beautiful. You're really, really beautiful but she, you're a kid and you're witnessing her look in the mirror and be like, I'm too fat. I'm too this. I don't like my hair. I don't like my nose. I don't like this. And you're, you witness her saying that on a daily basis. Odds are, even if she's told you that you're beautiful, you're going to look in the mirror and find what's wrong with you. Yeah. So generational is basically one, the, the bio biology part of it right biological part of it and then what you witnessed growing up in those first seven years of your life especially when Mm. you're picking up all this stuff from your subconscious mind your subconscious mind is picking up everything that you experience witness especially the strong emotions that you felt and trauma right yeah so then later it mostly, most often shows in your relationships. Yeah. Whether that's friends, uh, coworkers, romantic, whatever it is, your kids. Most people start to realize that they picked up more than they realized once they have kids. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, mom, I can attest that for sure. Luckily yeah. I've been doing the healing work before having my yeah. little one, but I'm so grateful for the awareness that I have and the level that I'm at in my consciousness, because I can see where the patterns can be applied. And like, it's it, it really guys, like, it's incredible when you can do this work for yourself, because I feel so empowered when I'm in a situation where I'm like, I literally don't get to, I don't have to respond the way that I was raised. Like Mm -hmm. I get to choose a new way. And like right now in this moment, as I choose this new way, I'm literally breaking generational trauma. Mm -hmm. Like I'm setting the new bar for what it's like to be in a, to be in relation with other humans. And that's really, really powerful. But if we don't have that awareness within ourselves, well, we literally will reenact what our subconscious knows because it's literally designed for the, the most energy efficient, streamlined way possible. So it doesn't want to exert any more energy. It's going to go with what it knows, which is why our bodies and our our bodies store memories and Mm -hmm. store these experiences. Part of the reason is so that it can resource them to save us from future things happening. So it's actually a beautiful mechanism, but we just have to discern if it's a supportive way a supportive approach in that moment that's going to actually enhance everyone's lives or create more suffering. Yeah. And finding that balance between like having self-accountability and self-compassion, like not being so far on the spectrum of self-accountability where you're like, 
obsessed with like, I got to fix this. I got to fix that. I'm, there's so many things I have to heal. Like, I feel like there's so much. Oh yeah. You're human. You're human. Just one day at a time, have compassion for yourself. You're, you're obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously doing the work, you know? Um, And then the self-compassion part needs to be part of it. Like if we're so far on the self-compassion part where we're not keeping ourselves accountable, it could lead to stagnation. So finding that sweet spot in the middle is important. Yes. I love that you said that. That's beautiful. And yeah. So just as she said, it's like, this comes from like a biological part where it gets stored in the body. And like you said, being born into the world, you didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It just, the cells and the tissues and the memories from these past experiences, generations, which is why generational trauma, they literally still live in your body. So uh, of course you're not aware of it. So that's why doing this work, which is a lot of the subconscious somatic work, it's important to remember that your mind isn't going to know what you need to let go of or, or what's actually being held in your body. So we really need to release our mind, release all expectations, release all types of specific agendas around, oh, I want to heal this, or maybe it's this. You literally just need to be in your body and your body will heal itself. Mm -hmm. Your body knows how to heal itself. We just need to give it that safety, that time, that space. And those are, I truly believe the three ingredients that allows our body to do the work. Our body creates disease, right? Mm -hmm. When we feed it terrible food, when we allow it to be chronically stressed, it will create disease. Absolutely. So that's to say that our body can't heal itself, mm-hmm. but we never focus on that for some reason. Mm-hmm. We're not taught to, <laughs> you know, we're not exactly. taught to. Exactly. <laughs> um, and um, so taking a back step for a second around when it comes to jujitsu for yourself, how, what got you started in jujitsu did breath lead you to jujitsu or was it a completely different animal? And then we can integrate how you use breath work in jujitsu. Um, okay. So breath itself didn't lead me to jujitsu. Um, I, someone was telling me about the connection between mental health and martial arts. And I was like, hmm, really interested. And because I had started doing all this work, I felt I was more confident at this point in my life to try something like that. Cause I'd always wanted to do something that made me feel tough. So like boxing, whatever, I was more interested in starting with Muay Thai. And I'd asked someone like, what's the best combination to defend yourself? And they Mm -hmm. said, probably Muay Thai and jujitsu. I was like, okay, I didn't know anything. So I was like, okay. So I had been on my way home from New York. I was moving out of New York because the pandemic and I just didn't want to be in New York anymore during that time. So I moved back home with my parents during the summer and on my way home, literally, I called this gym that's like right by my parents' house. And I was like, hey, you guys uh, teach Muay Thai? And they're like, yeah, come in tomorrow. And I was like, okay, (laughs) got to Detroit like 7 p.m. Next day, I went straight there and started training and I loved it so much and I was like I'd never been athletic in my entire life so anyone calling me an athlete feels weird like I get imposter syndrome still yeah. people say that so um 
so I start training and it's like all mostly guys and I'm keeping up with all of them. Like because of the breath that I've been training myself, I can breathe only through the nose, focus on your breath, be present. And I was like keeping up with all of them, sometimes doing even better than them. And I was like, whoa, like this is interesting. Like I can do way more than I thought I could physically. Yeah. So these people were like, Hey, come try jujitsu, come try jujitsu. And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to wait. I think, cause I was intimidated <laughs> and they were like, just come just, I swear you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I was like, uh, okay, fine, fine. I'll try it. <laughs> so finally they convinced me and I went in my first day and I was like, can you hear that banging? No. Okay, no. good. Okay. Um, so I went in and I was like, okay, they showed a move. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like Oma Plata. And I was like, what the heck are they doing? Like, how am I going to learn this? It was like, my brain couldn't comprehend what they were doing. So luckily a lot of people in jujitsu are really nice. So my first partner who is now ironically my boyfriend, um, was really nice and really patient with me. So he was like, you're picking this up pretty fast. And who knows if that was a pickup line or, or like whatever. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Right. So um, I fell in love with it. Long story short, I fell in love with jujitsu and even more so than kickboxing. I like kind of set kickboxing to the side and focused mostly on jujitsu. And it was like, at first I didn't start applying the breath too much yet. Cause I was new as a white belt. I was like spazzy and just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, but once I started applying what I learned about the breath, I started to be calm. Yeah. Because like when you're, someone is trying to choke you, someone's trying to break your arm, whatever they're trying to do, like you're going to feel like you're, you're literally trying to survive. Like you're trying to not die. Like that's what your body feels like, even though, you know, your opponent or your training partner is not going to kill you. Like some part of your body feels like that's what's happening. Yeah. So like you're breathing really heavy, you're freaking out. You're like trying to push them off and you're like, And, (laughs) and so like, I was like, no chill just breathe. So I focused on my breath. All I did was slow it down and I could kind of figure out what next move I was going to make. But obviously that took some time. You're not going to be one weekend and being like calm for the most part. Um, so I started applying that. And then I would also, I started applying this, what I was learning from, um, oxygen advantage. So if anyone's listening, this is like a, it's a style breath work. It's not a style breath work. How do I, oxygen advantage is a program. Let me, let me say that. So it's like a program where it teaches you how to breathe better, breathe more optimally on a daily basis, breathe more optimally so that it can help with your anxiety for even, it's even helps people with exercise induced asthma and for overall athletic performance. So the premise really, of it, a lot of biology, doesn't it? 
Yeah. So the premise of it is this, is being able to tolerate more carbon dioxide. So we've been taught a lot about oxygen, 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 right? But carbon dioxide is just as important. Think of carbon dioxide as like, it dilates your blood vessels, which allows the oxygen to travel to your muscles, to your organs, to everywhere that needs the oxygen for fuel. Carbon dioxide allows that travel to be more smooth and more efficient. Now, if you're someone who is breathing really heavy all the time, you're breathing from your chest, you're doing what is essentially called over-breathing. So now your oxygen and CO2 levels are off. Yeah. So you want those to be on the right levels. And so over-breathing is when you're offloading too much CO2. So you're like hyperventilating. Say you just did a roll and after you're like all breathing through the mouth. So the most important elements of breathing that I've been learning is to breathe through the nose as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Like even in your sleep, like I, maybe some people think this is crazy, but I sleep with tape on my mouth. No, actually I was going to, I was actually going to buy that <laughs> this week. Okay. Yeah. So I've been, doing, reason. I've been doing it for months and months. So, well, I've been doing essentially a year, but I took some time off and then came back to it but it helps you breathe better when you're sleeping. So you're getting optimal sleep. It prevents you from snoring. It prevents you from, from sleep apnea, all those things, right? I'm not going to say prevents you from sleep apnea because I don't want to make that big claim, but it's helped a lot of people with it. Yeah. If you have sleep apnea, you should talk to a doctor before you do something like that. But, um, so overall, if you are learning how to breathe in through the nose, breathing from the diaphragm, Mm -hmm. breathing slower, and then extending your exhales, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're essentially a good breather. Now, one way to test how well you breathe is the bolt score. It's the blood oxygen level test, blood oxygen level test. So what you do is you take a normal breath in, and a normal breath out. You're not manipulating it. You're not changing it. Just taking slow breath in, a normal breath in, a normal breath out. At the bottom of the exhale, you plug your nose. Hold your breath until that very moment you feel the first sign that you need to breathe. This could be like a need to swallow. It could be an involuntary constriction of your breathing muscles or like your chest is constricting like just a little sign that you feel like, okay, I need to, I need to breathe in. This isn't testing how long you can hold your breath. It's just testing until that moment you feel like you want to breathe. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that sound different? Yeah. So then as soon as you feel that you let go. And if at that point that you let go, you feel like you need to take a breath in quickly, you held too long. So now the number that you want to get is 40 seconds. That's, that's probably one of the best average is probably 20 and under 20 is like a lot of athletes. If you do exercise regularly, you might be at 20. If you're below that, 
then there's some work that needs to be done. There's an indication that your nose might be plugged. There's an indication that you might have sleep apnea or you snore when you're sleeping or you just have overall breathlessness throughout the day. So great. I love that because it really just allows people to have a metric that they can track. And as you integrate a breathwork practice through these simple principles of the nose, the diaphragm, top holds, bottom holds, you know, as you integrate that in a consistent way, you'll be able to track it by just coming back to this Mm -hmm. and seeing your progress. Yes. Yeah. So I've been working on, because mine started off at 12 and that's not good. You know, I've never been an athlete. I never trained my breath in any way. So it started off at 12 and it's just been growing and growing because I do this. So the thing that allows you to raise your tolerance to carbon dioxide is breath holds. Yes. So holding your breath at the bottom of the exhale. So what I do every day is I first check my heart rate and then I'll do check my bolt score. So what is it? What did I just wake up with? The way you eat can affect your bolt score. The way you sleep can affect your bolt score. Anxiety can affect your bolt score. So it could, you know, fluctuate. So I check my bolt score and then I'll do five breath holds, like actual breath holds, however long I can hold my breath. And then after that, I'll check my bolt score again and then check my heart rate again to see if it went down because of all the breath holding, the relaxation of just being with your breath, being present. And I've seen it just grow and grow and grow. And how that affects you on the mats is one, having that control of your breath, being conscious of your breath, because if we're not thinking about our breath or like having an intention of, okay, when I go into jujitsu today, I'm going to focus on my breath. Then it's easy to kind of get lost in the panic, right? 100%. That's usually my number one tip. I give white belts. They're like, what yeah, technique should I focus on? What should I do this? I'm like, literally your breath. Yes. Yeah, the only thing that's going to help you because the reality of it is you are in survival mode mm-hmm. and you also don't know anything. So focus on your breath. It's going to take you farther than anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'll like roll with white belts now, like new white belts and they'll be freaking out. I'm like, Hey, just breathe. And then they'll stop and breathe. Cause they're like <laughs> hyperventilating, offloading too much CO2 which over time is not good for our bodies as athletes. Yeah, you know? 100%. So, and what's so, your favorite breath blend or breath pattern that you personally use for jujitsu, maybe in the moment, or if you have something different that you prepare before class starts or like competition or like in the moment, if you notice, hey, I'm kind of breathing from my chest right now in an uncomfortable position, what is your go-to? Um, my favorite, like if you're just talking about like preparing or like when in between rounds, what I'll do is in for four out for six hold for five. So I'm incorporating the breath hold. I'm also extending my exhale. So this is good for bringing your heart rate down. Cause when you breathe in your heart rate goes up, when you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. So extending that exhale will bring your heart rate down. will bring your sympathetic nervous system into a parasympathetic state yes which meaning your fight or flight going into relaxation right and then the breath hold is also allowing me time to increase my tolerance to co2 yes 
So it's like a perfect blend. And then on the exhale, you're working your diaphragm the most. So if you extend it, then it's like, you know, our diaphragm being a muscle, you're training it to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's why that's my favorite. I love that. Yeah. Holds are my absolute favorite. Sure. Mm -hmm. My students are sick of them. I do them every session because they're so important, but I personally love combining top holds and bottom holds. I like the top holds. I feel make me feel better. (laughs) The bottom holds are harder. They're like, yeah, they are way harder. Yeah. Those are the bottom holds are good for really training. So if you're like, that's like how I, how I differentiate is like, that's like the masculine style, like where you're like training that baseline breath, you're trying to train your breath to, to help you long-term. And then the top hold is like, it calms me down and just makes me feel like, I don't know. That's just me. I love that. Oh yeah. I love that. So, so fun. And, um, so you've offered a lot in this conversation so far. And I really believe that many people are taking away from taking away from your experience, your story. Hopefully you guys with her sharing just her perspective, feel a little bit more inclined to try breath work and at least give it a shot. Again, it doesn't have to be crazy complicated. It gets to be as easy as four counts in six counts out, you know, and just giving yourself the gift of at least trying it once, you know, the breath is something you have with you always. So you really get to use it as this tool to become superhuman (laughs) because it really will support you in becoming superhuman. But I'd love to wrap up with you, Christina, just what advice would you recommend for someone or people looking to heal on a deeper level using breath work, but maybe they're still hesitant or still don't quite understand? Oh, the biggest thing that I would say is find someone like a breathwork guide, teacher, someone, whether it's me or, or Natalie, like whoever that makes you feel mm, safe, someone that's trauma-informed, someone that can help guide you into breathwork. Like there are ways that you can try it yourself. You can try like box breathing at home. You can try four, seven, eight breath. You can try the breath I gave you, the four, six, five. But if you want to go a little bit deeper, finding someone that speaks to you, you feel kind of a connection with them, even though, even if you haven't met them, you feel some kind of connection or how they speak speaks to you. Starting with a teacher to support you and guide you is really, really powerful. And having them be trauma-informed and to hold you in a safe container is really, really important. Yeah. To help you on this journey, at least starting. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice because it can be scary when, you know, we unlock this conversation and we talk about past experiences and memories might come up. You're like, okay, well, I'm definitely not doing it now. (laughs) Our intention is for, to first of all, normalize it, that every single human being experiences this. And just like, more importantly, like you don't have to choose suffering. There gets to be another way. Mm -hmm. And like she said, it's amazing advice is just find somebody that where you feel safe to explore this. 
yes. you know, because it's really important if we don't have safety, when we embark on this journey of inner healing and growth, we can get re-traumatized in mm-hmm. our system, which only puts us further and further away from our healing. Mm-hmm. So it's important to really go slow and be with somebody who you can trust. And that has this resonance in your system. Yes. And that's a, an amazing piece of advice. And of course, how can people contact you if they want to contact you just to hang out or for breath work? Um, yeah, please contact me. I love meeting new jujitsu ladies. So, um, and I don't know if anyone, I don't know if it's your predominantly women that follow you, but, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Nicolai, and I have a website, christinanicolai.com, or you can listen to my podcast, Talk Healing to Me. Um, either way, just message me. I love to meet new people. So, yay! And I'll make sure all that stuff is in the show notes for you guys to check her out. And of course, I wanted to end with just a quick little question to put you on the spot. I know that you're still newer, but you're a blue belt, so you probably have some tools in your tool belt of jujitsu what is your favorite submission right now and or your takedown okay i suck at takedowns i'm like literally right now trying to work on takedowns but my favorite (laughs) submission i don't know why is the guillotine i just like it all the time and i've just been getting it on men bigger than me and like all these different people and it's just been like i don't know why and the more i do it the better i get at it so it's just my go-to now and people don't expect it I don't know why people don't (laughs) but if people are shooting for a takedown or people have wrestling their main thing they shoot their head forward and I'm like oh thank you (laughs) yes bittersweet bittersweet that always feels really good (laughs) amazing I love it good old guillotine um awesome well thank you so much my love for being here and sharing your story your wisdom your insight I I really encourage you guys to connect with her. You know, part of this community on this podcast is to really be able to expand our awareness and expand our network, expand our communities so we can kind of have this ripple effect of creating a community environment, a world where we are empowering each other, supporting each other. And she's an amazing person to know. And I'm really, really grateful that we've connected and the breath brought, brought us together. Mm-hmm. um, that so we can make this episode. So guys, if you, I would be so grateful if you could share this episode, like it, write a review on it, whatever you want, definitely share it with friends, family members, training partners, anyone that you believe can benefit from understanding a little bit more about breath or just to expand their awareness. I really would encourage you to do that. I appreciate you ahead of time for doing that. If you want to share any insights or takeaways that you had, feel free to tag us on body by boss Instagram. We will love to share them and celebrate you for listening to this episode. And that's all for this episode. Thank you, Christina, for being here and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.